good morning, everybody. My name is Nathan Harris. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at East Point. And if you've been here at all during the past few weeks, you know that we've been in a series called Not So Cool Cats of the Bible. Today, we're actually taking a break from that. And I get to talk to you about something that, is, that I really feel like God is, is working in me, okay? This is what I'm, what I'm going to speak to you this morning is something that, that God is working out in my life. So everything I say to you, do not hear as me telling you, get it together, because that's not what it's about. I'm, I'm right here with you guys, all right? You tracking with me? All right. Well, I've titled this message, Strapped to a Rocket, and you'll see why very shortly here. I've got a kind of a sick sense of humor um, that I happen to enjoy, me, myself, and I. But um, anyway, have, has anybody here ever gotten so focused on something in life that you lost the big picture? Maybe it was a job, maybe it was a relationship, maybe it was just out to have fun, but you got so focused on this thing and you got so intent on, on getting life out of this thing that you just lost all focus. I have done that quite a bit in my life. Um, one such example is I was working for the Army Corps of Engineers and um, I, the crew I was on was dispatched to go help start a, a, a brush pile on fire. Well, it was in the middle of December, so it was cold and wet. The rangers, the park rangers who were really tasked with accomplishing this, I was just going to help them out, had already been, gone up into the woods to, to get this going. And they were preparing the brush pile by pouring fuel on it. Okay? Anybody who thinks that the federal government follows all, all of their guidelines is crazy. Um, <laughs> sorry, just a little fact there. But here's the deal, it's, and it's important to the story, because they were up on top of this pile pouring the fuel on it, and as I, uh, I got up there, we realized, okay, well, they're not quite ready for us, so we were standing around talking and having a good time and whatnot, and all of a sudden, I don't know what it was, I was just really excited to start a fire. I, I don't know why, but I was just really excited. So as we're talking and laughing and goofing around, all of a sudden, it's like this switch flips in my head. And I'm like, it's time to light the fire. So I walk up to the brush pile. I pull out the uh, road flare that I have in my back pocket to light it with. And as I'm getting ready to strike this thing and I'm bending down intent on, on lighting this fire, my brother, who's on my crew at the time, I hear him yell at me, don't light it. And, and I'm taken aback a little bit. And I step back and I'm thinking, what, what on earth is wrong? What happened? And, and I start looking around to realize that all eyes are on me, including the eyes of the park ranger still on top of the brush pile pouring gas on it. <laughs> Not one of my brighter moments, all right? But I was so excited to light the fire. I just lost sight of the bigger picture. The bigger picture is... There were other human beings around and there was one on top of the pile and don't light them on fire, okay? Now, we've all had experiences like that. Maybe you haven't blown anybody up, I hope, but, but we've all had experiences where life kind of goes a little bit sideways because we're just so focused on what's in front of us. We're so intent on what's right before us that, that that's the thing that we're grabbing life from and we lose sight of the bigger picture. Maybe for you, it's, it's a business venture. You want your business to succeed, so, so you're doing everything you can to make that succeed. 
and, and you, you've put your life into that. Maybe for you it's a relationship with, with a, a, a spouse, a, a sibling, a, you know, a son or a daughter or a friend, whoever. And, and you're thinking, this is, if this is right, then all else is going to be right. And time after time you discover that life kind of tends to go a little bit sideways because you've lost sight of everything else. Maybe it's just having fun. Maybe you like just to get out and have a good time. There's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, hear me very clearly, all right? God wants to infuse his life into all of our activities. There's no such thing as a secular and sacred split in a Christian's life, in the life of a Christ follower. It all belongs to him, which means that our fun, our work, our play, everything gets redeemed and brought into his kingdom, all right? And it gets his life as we live in him. But the, the fact remains is that oftentimes we stand in danger of becoming just so focused on these other things that we do lose sight of what's really important. And here's a great picture. I got it up here. Um, Wiley Coyote, super genius. You guys remember the coyote? This becomes a picture of what, we're, what, what life looks like for us. We're so intent on getting after the roadrunner or whatever it is that we're lighting ourselves on fire, blowing ourselves up, running off of cliffs, getting hit by buses and trains and rocks and everything else, that uh, you know, we, we lose sight of life, of what real life is. The truth, however, is that God has an abundant life for us, for you and for me. But that life is based in his life and on his kingdom, all right? It's what's known as new creation life, and it's stamped with eternity. Jesus said about this in Matthew 6, he said, seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all of this other stuff, everything else that you need will be brought into you. It will be added to you, all right? Add God's kingdom first, he says. So this is our big idea. This morning, and it's on your outline if you have one. God wants us to know and experience Him. Knowing God is the key to living according to His purpose for us as individuals and as a community. And there's a passage in the New Testament that talks about this really well. It's in First Peter, or sorry, Second Peter, chapter one. A lot of numbers there. Chapter one, verses one through eleven. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn there. We're going to be looking at that this morning. And Peter has a really unique perspective on, on uh, getting lost with focus. He thought that Jesus as the Messiah was going to be somebody who came in on, as a shining warrior on a white horse and wiped out the Romans, uh, put the Romans underneath the, the feet of the Israelites and the Israelites over everybody else in the world and all of this. And that was blown sky high when he watched Jesus go willingly to his death. Because for him, the death of the Messiah meant the end of the revolution. And so he actually denied Jesus at a very critical moment. He denied that he even knew him. And he failed. But then the story doesn't end because we see Jesus restore him in John chapter 21. And Peter gets a firsthand experience of God's amazing love and grace. And you can read all about that. But that's the guy who's talking to us this morning here. 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 through 11. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness, that is the faithfulness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. 
Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge, underline that word, and every time you come to it in this passage, it's important, of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, through his divine power and our knowledge of him, he has given us his very great and precious promises. And Peter defines these promises in Acts chapter 2 as God pouring out his spirit, him giving us his own spirit. That through them you may participate in the divine nature. You can live like God, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, he says, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, for if you do these things, you will never stumble, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A little bit of a lengthy passage there, but there are three things here that I think this passage shows us about living on purpose. Now, there's a whole lot more that we could look at in this passage this morning, all right? But I've, I saw three things here that I think um, are important for me and I think are important for us. And the first one is this. God is with you constantly. God is with you constantly. You know, in order to live the kind of life God wants us to live, we have to have this understanding God is with us constantly. You know, in our society, this is not the prevalent view of God. And honestly, for maybe a number of people in this room, you don't think God is, is near us. See, for most people in our society, there's a deist view of God. What do I mean by deist view of God? Well, here it is. God, in the deist view, is, is the deity, the, the creator of the world and all that's in it, but this deity is either incapable or unwilling to do anything about what happens in it or to it, all right? So a good illustration of this would be my two-year-old son, Caleb. I love my son. He's a lot of fun. He has this little toy bus that he scoots backward on the floor, and it's got these little gears in the back wheels that when he lets it go, it shoots out across the floor, all right? So we've had lots of fun driving this off of the couch, off of the counter, across the floor, into the walls, or even just down the hall and watching it spin out or it stop moving. See, but the, the, the thing that is constant in all of these experiences is that once my son lets go of the bus after winding it up, is that he is incapable of stopping it. It's just gone. It spins out on its own. It hits the wall on its own. It drives off the, the couch on its own, whatever, and he cannot stop it. All right, that is the deist view of God. But you guys, that is not the view of God that God presents of himself in the Bible. In the book of Genesis, it opens up with, with God creating all that there is. And so we're told that God is, in fact, the creator. He is outside of time and space and matter, and he's not bound to any of natural laws, okay? So he is above creation. But then he goes in and he infuses 
all of creation with his life. He says, let this happen and let that happen. He, he gives purpose and meaning and function to birds and fish and animals and, and the land and the sea and the moon and the sun and the stars and you and me. So though he is above creation, he is still intimately involved with it. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, what about the fall? Didn't God, isn't there a separation between humans and God based on the fall? Yes, there is. But the, the story doesn't end with the fall. The rest of the Bible tells us about how God is relentless in continuing to, to interfere, interact, be part of human history and guide it to the destination he wants it to go. And as a matter of fact, I love the way John puts it in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14. He says that the Word became flesh, meaning the second person of the Trinity, God himself, Jesus, became flesh, and he pitched his tent in the middle of us. And we saw him. We interacted with him. We had a face-to-face encounter with God. All right? The fact of the matter, you guys, is that God is with us constantly. And Peter affirms this idea in what we just read in 2 Peter. In verses 1 and 2, he says that God is faithful to keep his promises. He gives us the spirit, and and he even gives us the faith that we need to believe in him. He also says in verse 3, God exercises his divine power on our behalf to, to enable us to live as his children. In verse 4, he says, God makes promises and keeps them to us. And every time you see the word know or knowledge in that passage, the reason I had you underline that is because that is not at all academic knowledge. It's not about going to Bible college or Gonzaga or uh, Washington State or anywhere else and absorbing some information. There is knowledge about, but that knowledge about comes from relationship with That knowledge is all about God drawing near to us, coming to us, chasing after us. And when we respond to him, we know him that way. We experience him. We could go on and on. The point is that this is not your run-of-the-mill picture of God. God is with us constantly. And knowing and experiencing that enables us to live the life stamped with eternity that God desires for us to live as individuals, and as a community. We'll talk about what it looks like to live with that perspective in a little bit here, all right? But for now, I want to move on to point two on your outline. The second thing we need to experience is that new creation is lived out with God as king and Jesus as Lord. We need to live out (coughs) new creation with God, with the understanding that God is king, that Jesus is is Lord. To join with God in, in living out what he's accomplishing in the world, we have to live with the reality he's king. We can't get around that. <coughs> Excuse me. The idea that God has become king and everything that flows out of it is, in fact, the essence of the gospel. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah 52, 7, we're told, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news who proclaim peace, that is, restoration of life and things to the way that God always intended them to be, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say, hey, guess what? God is rescuing us. He's doing something for us, who say to Zion, your God reigns, which is a statement of fact and not of wishful thinking. 
Now, according to this verse, the good news, the gospel, is that God reigns. God is king. God is bringing the world and everyone in it into conformity with his purposes. And by definition, that also means that nothing else and no one else is king. Now, we need to understand a couple of things about this. First of all, God is king, but there's still more to be done, all right? Evil is not a proof that God is not king. It just means there's more work to be done, okay? Um, when I was a, in high school, I was a, on a volunteer fire department, and we had a, a fire just outside our city limits that came, that spilled over into town. And when we initially got up there, we thought it was going to be smaller than it was, and we ended up having to call in all kinds of help. I mean, people for, I think, hundreds of miles came out to help us put this fire out. We had the big, you know, uh, fire retardant um, airplanes dropping their stuff and helicopters, the whole nine yards. When we finally got this thing under control, and it was under control, you know, all kinds of uh, crews and trucks and planes got to go home, but I had to stay there with my fire department and put out hot spots. Now, the fire was under control. It wasn't growing. It wasn't going anywhere else, but there was still something to be done. We had to make sure that it was completely out, even though it wasn't spreading any further. You guys, it's the same way with God being king. God is king, and there is work to be done. We need to understand that. The second thing about this means that our, is that our allegiance needs to be to God and God alone. Everything else, whether it's government, sports teams, I love sports, um, whether it's our jobs, our families even, they all, they all play second fiddle to God, right? And as a matter of fact, those things are all supposed to be filled with the life of God. Jesus said in John 14 concerning this that we would experience trouble in the world. Why would we experience trouble in the world? God is king. Everything is good. Well, here's the deal. When Peter wrote that Jesus is Lord in verses 2, 8, and 11 in the passage we just read, everybody who heard that would automatically think of another phrase. Caesar is Lord. Because you see, in the Roman Empire, that was the gospel. That was the good news. It was Caesar who gave you life, who let you live, who told you where you could live, who said what you could do, all of that kind of stuff. And so when, when somebody said Caesar is Lord, what they're saying is Caesar is king of the world. But then Peter comes in and he says, no, 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 no. Jesus is Lord. Caesar isn't. You guys, that's actually why there were a lot of martyrs in the New Testament. Because <laughs> they were saying Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. You, just, you don't do that. And so there was conflict between the two kingdoms. It would be kind of like, uh, say the Prime Minister, Prime Minister of Canada came down here into Washington and stepped across the border and said, all of this land is now Canada. And then he began to actually try to run the place by Canadian laws and regulations. What would happen? Yeah, trouble, right? Because there's conflict between the two kingdoms, all right? One is saying one thing, the other is saying another thing. Listen to me very carefully. As Christ followers, anyone here who is a Christ follower is God's proclamation to the world that Jesus is Lord and Caesar isn't. 
That is a fact. Now, for us, we don't have a Roman Caesar, okay? For us, the proclamation is Jesus is Lord and money isn't. Jesus is Lord and power isn't. Jesus is Lord and sex is not. Okay? We are the proclamation. And we're going to experience hardship due to that proclamation. But guess what? We don't react in the same way that the world reacts. As Christ followers, and as we see in what, what Peter talked about in this list of virtues, these, this, these character traits that he listed in this passage, we respond in love. We respond in grace. We respond with mercy and justice. All right? This is the way we're supposed to be, and this all comes from the understanding that God is king, that Jesus is Lord. You tracking with me? All right. When we understand that, when we live with the perspective that God is king and nothing else is, then we are able to begin living the life that's stamped with eternity that God intends for us to live as individuals and as a community. That brings us to the third thing that we need to experience in order to live God's kind of life instead of being like the coyote strapped to the rocket. And it's this. You have a role to play in the new creation life. You and I have a role to play in the new creation life. You know, it would be totally great. I would be the first in line if God were to say, okay, plan is I'm going to open up your head and I'm going to pour stuff into you. I'm going to shake you up a little bit and send you off and you're going to be good to go. I'm, yeah, I'm there. Sign me up. But the fact is that I have a role to play. I have to choose to play on God's team. Okay? And there are some great promises and statements in this passage we've been looking at this morning. Uh, verse 3, God's divine power gives us all that we need to live the new creation life. That's, that's a good promise, right? Verse 4 says that through God's promises, through him giving us his spirit, we escape the corruption of the world. We're not doomed for the same kind of deterioration that, that the old way of living is. All right? It's winding down. It's, it's, it's going to go away. Also in verse 4, we're told, told that by God's divine power, we get to participate in his nature. Not that we become God's, but that he infuses part of him in us. So there's a little part of God in us that we reflect to the world, and that enables us to live his life. These are great promises, and they're all true, but if we stop with them, then it's, we're incomplete. We're told in this passage to make every effort with the implication that we do this in the power of the Spirit. Now, I want to be absolutely clear. We are saved by grace. Anybody who becomes a Christ follower, that is a free gift, that is a work of God, that is something he does in us. We do not earn it ever, period, end of discussion. Am I clear? All right. But once we are in Christ, we are called to make every effort to live in his kingdom. Okay? We are not talking about salvation. We are talking about living in God's kingdom as God's kids. And when we take this into account along with the promises about God giving us everything we need, we're on the way to living the life he wants us to live. 
We do this by what the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5 and 6 calls keeping in step with the Spirit or sowing to the Spirit, which basically, honestly, is like following an example. Whatever you see the Spirit doing, you do yourself. It's kind of like your kids. They follow you around. My son, Caleb, so adorable. I'm not biased. Yes, I am, but it doesn't matter. He... He loves to clean. And I think he's picked up this trait because he watches his mama clean, usually after me. Okay? But we went and we got this little, we got a broom for him from Ace Hardware, cut it in half so he wouldn't poke holes in our walls. But he likes to go around the floor and just sweep. He wants to do that. He sees what we're doing, and then he copies it. You guys, this is keeping in step with the Spirit. Do you, do you hear me? We have a role to play in new creation life, and in experiencing that, knowing and experiencing that enables us to live the eternal kind of life God wants us to live. So how do we do all of this? How do we live with this understanding that God is with us constantly, that God alone is king, and that we have a role to play? Here's your application this morning on your outline. Maintain a position of being filled with the Spirit. Maintain a position of being filled with the Spirit. Now, before you freak out and you run out the door thinking, oh, that's just too weird, it's really not that hard, and it's, it's actually kind of simple. You don't have to get weird with it. The fact of the matter is that you and I need a power source, okay? God himself said, I'm going to pour my spirit onto my people so that they will live. He knew we couldn't do it on our own, so he gives us the spirit. Uh, Any of you ever had an experience with an electrical outlet that went out that wouldn't work and you were just going nuts with it? I I did about uh, two or three weeks ago. Um, Oh, I was so mad. It was, uh, it was about 10 o'clock at night. I was trying to get to bed so I could go to work or something the next morning. And uh, we were trying to plug a nightlight into an outlet in our bathroom, and it just wouldn't work. Stupid, stupid thing. Why won't you work? So I take it to another outlet, and I plug it in, and it works. Stupid outlet. Why won't you work? And so I'm, I'm, I'm going around to the, the fuse box, and I'm thinking... Everything is on. Why isn't this working? I go into the kitchen. We've got a GFI outlet. You know, one of those that has the reset button on it. It's supposed to help keep you keep from burning your house to the ground, which is a very good thing. Um, and I, I check that, and it's on. It's working. I'm just stupid. And I'm just getting madder and madder. I'm getting more and more worked up. And finally, my wife says, did you check the one in the bathroom? No. So I stomp my way into the other bathroom, and uh, my son Caleb, God bless him, he, he loves to he loves to climb up on stools and play with the light switches in the bathroom. Well, it just so happened another GFI outlet was right next to that one, and he hit the button on that one, so the outlet in the other bathroom wouldn't work. And once I hit the button, of course, we had power, right? We, yeah. All of that for a lot of nothing. Welcome to my world. Hey, so, you guys, my point here is that unless we get plugged into the Spirit, 
we're not going to be able to live the life, the kind of life God wants us to live. All right? He is our source. He is God's very presence with us. And so we need to maintain a position of being filled by him. How do we do that? Well, when the New Testament talks about being filled with the Spirit or keeping in step with the Spirit or, or sowing to the Spirit, it's talking about having a relationship with God and, and engaging in some activities along with, with other believers. All together. We're, we're in this together. We're doing this together. All right? One example of this. Use your, your gifts in service toward one another and toward others in the world. Hey, you know, one of the things that you got when you came in this morning was the communication card. You, did you know you could actually sign up to, to serve using this? There's lots of areas where you could, you could get plugged in. Inside East Point, Adventureland, the ushers and the greeters. I'm in charge of life groups. Come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you. There's lots and lots of places for you to get plugged in here and use your gifts to serve. But there's also places outside of East Point. Matt told you about SOS yesterday. We got out and at, with some other churches, we accomplished a lot of work. We got a lot done in our community and demonstrated the love of God in Christ to them. Another thing we do is we partner with Opportunity Elementary and we do Reading Buddies, which is a program where we help kids with, with a low reading level be able to raise their reading level and it's working. Just practical things like that, just serving people like that. Another example, allowing the word of Christ to dwell richly in our hearts. Now that sounds really big and religious and oh my goodness, but that's actually taken right out of Colossians chapter 3. And the main idea there is that we open up the word, we read it, we meditate on it, we pray through it. God, what is it you want me to change? What is it you want me to do differently? We, we hold it up as a mirror to our faces and we say, all right, Lord, what, what, do, what needs to happen here? And do your work in me. We take it with us wherever we go. We think about it. We meditate on it, all right? Um, another example, engaging in worship with the community of believers. Hey, guess what? You did that this morning. All right? Every time we get together here and, and we sing, we're not singing to the band. We're singing to Jesus. We're worshiping him. And when we do that, we are positioning ourselves to be able to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, final example, giving thanks to God on our own and with other believers. This is as simple as sitting down at a meal, and I don't, you don't have to get all super religious about this, but simply going, God, I know that you're king, and I know that everything comes from you, so thanks for this food. I receive it as a gift. Thank you. It's just thanks. That's it. Another way, every single Sunday here on both sides of the room, we have communion. Did you know communion is an act of thanksgiving? We remember Jesus. Get with some friends, get with some family, and, and take communion together. It's, it's really simple. As we follow Jesus and make a habit of these things, we become energized with the power and presence of God. We're actually filled with his spirit. Being filled with God's spirit enables us to live the life he's called us to live, to live that eternal life that's stamped with him. When we live this kind of life, we don't have to fear being ineffective like the coyote strapped to a rocket. It's not that it's going to be easy. There's going to be ups and downs. Ask anybody in this room. There's going to be successes and failures. You're going to miss sometimes. But you know what? God is with us. That's important to remember in this process. So let me ask you this. 
What would your life look like if you lived in a state of continually being filled by God's Spirit? What would your relationships look like lived out in love and service that marks out God's kingdom? What fears would be erased for you? We're all going to have challenges, but, you know, if, if there's nothing to fear, what could you do? Think about that for a minute. What if your automatic way of living became God's way of living and responding and loving? What would our life look like together as a community of believers? What creative ways would we show Jesus to the world? What could we accomplish together if we lived this way? When we live on God's terms, experiencing Him and His faithfulness, we become suffused with His presence and power through His Spirit. We become stamped with the eternity, and the trajectory of our life becomes full of purpose. Then you will never, ever have to fear living like the coyote. I want to pray for you. Jesus, I want to thank you that you do save us that your work on the cross is, is complete, it is finished. God, I want to thank you that you are king and that you do give us your spirit. But Lord, we also recognize that there is more to be done. There's more to be done in our lives. There's more to be done in our families. There's more to be done in the world around us. Fill us, God. Fill us with your power, with your presence. Help us to live the life of focus that you've called us to live. God, to bring all of our activities, whether it's work or play or whatever else, into your kingdom. To suffuse those things with your kingdom and then to release them back out into the world. Proclaiming that you are Lord, that you are King. God, for anybody here who is struggling with, with focus issues right now, God, I pray for your grace. I pray that they would know your mercy and your grace right now, that they would understand just how close you are, that they would experience that right now, God. Have mercy on us, Father. Sometimes we just mess up. For anybody here who is not a Christ follower, I'm going to say a prayer. And if you want to become one, just make this prayer your own. You don't have to raise your hand or run up front or anything like that. Just where you're at, make this your prayer. God, I have lived my life with my own focus. Sometimes it works out okay. Lots of times it doesn't work out so okay. But I want to I, I have your focus. I want to live as your child. I want to experience your love. So I give you all of me. Take me. I'm yours. Fill me with your spirit so that I can live as your child and I can bring your love into the world. Father, for anyone who, who made that their prayer this morning, visit them right now, I pray. 
Fill them with your spirit. Encourage them. Let them feel and know and experience your love and your grace, God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us your son, Father. And thank you that you never, ever leave us. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand with me? We're gonna sing one more song. If you filled out the communication card, this is the time you can put it in the offering and then I'll, I'll be back up to, to wrap us up. You know, the, the Bible does say that whomever the sun sets free is free indeed and, and that is absolute truth. I wanna encourage you guys to go today and to live in the sun, live in the spirit. If, uh, if you accepted Christ for the first time today, we have some new believer packets available. They're by the doors as you leave. And there's a little New Testament in there and, and a card about how to get connected to East Point. If you wanna take communion this morning, we've got it available on both sides of the room. And if you need prayer this morning, come this way. There will be a prayer team down in front for you. Thank you for coming this week and we look forward to seeing you next week.